Welcome to the Truth Must Be Told podcast. Thank you for joining us today as we share the good news of Jesus in this uncertain world. If you have any questions, suggestions, or comments, please reach out to me at thetruthmustbetold93 at gmail.com. Now, if you've missed any episodes, you can go to anchor.fm and look for me, Sal Passos. While you're there, hit the support button and help this podcast to continue. For those of you on YouTube, don't forget to hit the thumbs up button and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of these exciting shows. Thank you once again for your support, and I'll be seeing you soon on The Truth Must Be Told. Ha boy, there's going to be a wedding. We're going to be taking a look at ancient Jewish wedding ceremonies today on The Truth Must Be Told, so stand by. He's just ignorant. He doesn't know any better than to tell the truth. It's the truth. I just want to report the truth. It'd be a nice change of pace, okay? When in doubt, tell the truth. And when I tried to tell the truth, and they kicked me off the air. You can't handle the truth! And now, speaking the truth, even though it hurts, here's the host of The Truth Must Be Told, Sal Passos. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all The Truth Must Be Told. Here we are in 2022. The fourth day of January, and wow, before you know it, it'll be Christmas. <laughs> Things go quickly. Things go quickly. They sure do. Provided the Lord doesn't return, <laughs> we will be here throughout the year, bringing you much joy and cheer and the good news of Jesus Christ. How about that? I just, just that was just winging that off the top of my head. Isn't that great? Oh, my goodness gracious. I hope you all had a great weekend. It was... Um, it was a interesting. It was an interesting weekend for us, and uh, uh, but I'll tell you one thing: we're learning. Lori and I are definitely learning that we have to trust in the Lord. We cannot uh, put our faith and our hope into anything else. I mean, we have got, you know, uh, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> we like to sing that song. Our faith is built on nothing less than Schofield's notes and Scripture press. No, that's not how it goes. Our faith is built on nothing less than Jesus' love and righteousness. But uh, that was an old Bible college uh, joke, uh, which, by the way, I never knew was a real hymn. And I was playing in the orchestra during a chapel service at Bible college. I was playing trumpet at the time. And I can't do that now. I have no teeth left. Um, but... Uh, uh, playing that playing that trumpet, I never knew that was a real song. We'd go around singing that Schofield Notes and Scripture Press thing, and I never knew that was a real hymn. I had, honestly, I had no idea. And then uh, one day, I'll never do that. Nat Saginario. <laughs> Your brother Nat. Uh, he decided he wanted to sing that hymn, and he, well, I opened it up. I didn't know what it was, you know, so I opened it. We're going to sing on, on the solid rock. Okay. So I opened up the hymn book. And, of course, I have to transpose, so I'm trying to pay attention to transposing because there was no uh, instrument, so you have to transpose as you go. And um, I start with, you know, and as soon as I got to that line, I lost it completely. I mean, I started laughing. I started laughing and laughing and laughing. I mean, I was just in hysterics. And I don't know if any of you have ever been in that situation, but man, is that embarrassing as all get go. I mean, here you are uh, in the middle of a worship service and everybody's trying to praise the Lord 
And here I am in the orchestra pit laughing my tail off. I could not stop laughing. And you know, the, the, when you're in that kind of a situation, the more you try to stop laughing, you continue to laugh. Oh my goodness gracious, was it a nightmare. <laughs> I laughed and I laughed and I laughed. <clears throat> and Brother Nat's looking at me, he's giving me these dirty looks, and and I just couldn't stop laughing. I had to try to, you know, I tried to pick up the trumpet and play again, but you know, you know, and I just had to put it down. Just the thought of how funny that was and the situation, the situation we were in. <laughs> that was a real funny thing. <laughs> Anyway, I <laughs> uh, hope you forgive me. I'm putting in a throat drop. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, um, but our faith is built on nothing less than Jesus' love and righteousness. You know, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy stand or holy lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Oh my goodness. Uh, but we are learning that. And we're learning that in spite of difficulties that we are facing right now in this life, Lori and I are facing a hardship right now <clears throat> that um, it really is, is it would, would tear, tear us apart normally, but God is keeping us with the joy of the Lord in our life. And it is just so exciting. I can't tell you how exciting it is because we're rejoicing in, in God. He's giving us uh, joy. We're, you know, we're, we're both getting a, a renewed hunger for God's word. And uh, we're, we're studying things together, and it's just so exciting. And she asked me, she said, do you, have you thought about these things? And we're talking about end times, and I'll get to the study in a minute, but I just got to share this. Um. We're talking about end time prophecies, and she said, "When when did you first know about things like the New World Order and things like that?" I said, "Well, probably in the '80s. I got saved in 70, 77, 78. Um, 77. Was it seventy-eight? Gordon, correct me on that. Seventy-eight, I think. But uh, <clears throat> it was a year or two after high school. Um, yeah, I graduated high school in '76. Okay." Um, but yeah, uh, wow, uh, and then when, uh, getting saved, and then Hal Lindsley came out with his book, uh, The 1980s Countdown to Armageddon, I was just looking at it, it's right there on my shelf, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, this is really exciting stuff, I mean, and then he talked in there about the New World Order, and how they want to take over and create this one world government, and how that's going to lead into the Antichrist taking over. And I'm like, wow, this is really some, this is some heavy-duty stuff. If you ever get a kick out of wanting to find it, I mean, Hal Lindsley's on now. He's, uh, he's still, he, there's a, what, he's got a Facebook page and he's on TV and everything. But it's uh, the 1980s Countdown to Armageddon by Hal Lindsley. I still have the copy. And it's just, it's just fun to look at in here. And I've got it all marked up and, and, and things now because I use this as a, even though a lot of the things is outdated, are outdated uh, compared to um, um, some of the things that, uh, you know, some of the things that, if you hear that rumble in the background, that is a freight train that is about 
a half a mile from me and it's cold out tonight and the cold air tends to send that sound a little bit more. I wish this was a soundproof room, but eh. all right. But anyway, so we, uh, yeah, so 1980s is where I began to learn about it. We had a nice discussion about that today, Lori and I did. It was really exciting to see and to see her have a hunger for God's word and want to get into it more. And Because I tell you, you know what? I want to tell you something. I have to admit something to you people. I'm not perfect. Neither is Lori. We have so many faults. It's pathetic. But in spite of those faults, God is still good. And God still gets us through day by day by day. You know, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's what I'm asking of you. Because there's it, it just is so much and we we do trust in God and just uh, it's so exciting and we, we listen we, we've got some really good teachers that we listen to and uh, you know one of them is Billy Crone the other one is uh, Brandon Halthouse you know these guys uh, they don't have mega churches they're not into mega churches but what they are teaching is the word of God and they, they, they got it down, man. Now, I don't agree with everything that they teach because there are things that are, you know, they're secondary issues. They're, they're, they're secondary, they're, they're tertiary, there's this, you know, they're not based, but the salvific issues, dead on. Um, prophetic issues, dead on. I love them for that. And it's funny because these two guys both like uh, they have different opinions on certain things and it's funny because I'm like okay I, this one guy leans to it but the other guy leans to more the way I'm thinking but again these are not salvific they're not salvific issues they they don't have to do with compromising a person's salvation they believe the only way you could be saved is by accepting Jesus Christ as your lord and savior that is the key above all else you must accept Jesus as your lord and savior uh, yeah, and I'm really, really excited about uh, about what's happening. Now, uh, by the way, I'm just looking at my monitor screen here, and uh, when you get to where it says the truth must be told um, .org, that is going to be going away as of January 4th. Uh, today. Today is the, tomorrow is the last day. Well, today's the last day. Today's the 4th. Uh, I was supposed to have uh, the funds in to uh, reinstitute the... Um, the website and uh, I don't have them. Uh, they're just it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen today. So um, you know, Lori and I have had to make some uh, some uh, some uh, prayerful decisions, the things that we needed to do, and we put those into into uh, momentum uh, this week. And there it is. So, but we do not have the funds for it. And if God wants it, then the funds will, will come in. But we have, I've just been praying about that, and so far, I'm at peace with it. I'm not like, oh my gosh, my website. It's not my website, it's God's website, okay? You know, if, 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 if um, and this is a good way to be. If you feel you have a uh, desire to do something, go ahead and try it. Go ahead and try it. Put it out there, and if, you know, if it fails to, uh come to be, then that's okay. Either God didn't want that to happen just then, or I, who knows? I don't know. I mean, it was difficult for me to keep up the website anyway, so kind of like I'm relieved because it's one less thing, and I've asked for help 
No, nobody's come forward to give me a hand with the website. So that's okay. I'll focus and concentrate more on the podcast. I have other things that I can do. Uh, so now that gives me more time to concern myself with getting the information out to you, to look at the things that are happening in the world today and to get those things into your ears and to help you to think, uh, critically think about what's happening from a Christian perspective. And for those of you who don't know the Lord, for me to be able to tell you, Jesus is the only way. All right, so, and uh, so far everybody's agreeing with me, so that's the way we go, all right? And I've got some uh, good people out there that are praying for me, and I appreciate your prayers as well. And I, and I, oh, and I want to apologize for the lateness of this coming out again, second time in a row where it's come out this late. I do apologize. Um, we did have something that took place earlier today. Ron and Connie, sorry I missed your podcast today. I'll watch it on the, the rerun. Ron and Connie Spataro have a wonderful, wonderful podcast and show called um, We Worship the King Live. And Ron is a phenomenal Bible teacher. He's very sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. He has a gift of discernment. And I love this man to death. And Connie, I love you too. Uh, and, and we became friends with them years ago. They have been blessed with, with a, and this man is a musician. He can play. But again, he doesn't say it's, it's to God's glory, not to him. Okay, I say this because God has given this man a gift that is just phenomenal. All right, I cannot <laughs> tell you enough. Uh, this man knows his stuff, knows his stuff. And hopefully, um, I've asked him to appear on the show here. Hopefully, uh, we will be able to get him on. I'm working on some technical things and getting uh, the here so we could do the split screen camera thing here so he could be on and I could be on and and we could you know get on here together but all right so enough of me babbling on and on here because I do love to talk God has definitely given me the gift of gab and I can go on here all night but um really uh the only time restriction that I have that I'm limited to is the uh podcast to be put out on uh, which it was Instagram. Instagram only gives me 60 minutes. So I have to, I, I try to keep that within the 60 minute time frame. I don't know if you want to hear me talking more than that. Anyway, I asked a dear friend of mine, well, not a dear friend, but I asked a friend of mine, Hey, do you watch the podcast? And he says, oh, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I can't pay attention more than 15 minutes. Okay. Well, that's okay. Uh, th so we just, Got into the 15 minutes, so see you. Uh, <laughs> we just hit the 15 minutes on the clock. <clears throat> yeah, and um, I keep a little I keep a little timer here, and I finally got a one big enough for me to see so I could see the, the time that I started recording the podcast. But yeah, we are excited about you know where 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 things are going, and uh, so but we try to keep it limited. Um, because I could do longer than this for YouTube and whatnot. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes today. Because there's a lot of material to cover, and sometimes I say that, and we wind up, um, you know, only doing a ten-minute show. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you tuned in. I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, as I did, you see, you noticed that the uh, donation uh, commercial right at the beginning has changed. 
because I had uh, I had to take out the website out of this thing and I forgot to, to forgot to take it out of the ticker. I do apologize. Uh, for those of you listening, there's a ticker running on the bottom of the screen, like you see in the news, uh, stuff like that. So, but I'm doing I'm working on different programs and stuff to make this change. All right, but again, enough of me. I'm going on again. All right. So when I said I opened the show and said, "Oh boy, there's gonna be a vetting." Yes, there's going to be such a vetting that's coming up. Yes, you wouldn't believe it. Hoy. All right. But I want to talk about Jewish weddings. And, uh, you know, we see today, you know, when, a, when uh, we see Jewish, I've never actually attended a Jewish wedding. I've only seen them on television. And they sit under the hapa, I believe it's called. Uh, that's to represent the bride being taken to, ho- taken to home. And we'll, you'll know what we're talking about when we cover it. But did you know? Did you know that there is a distinct correlation between the ancient Jewish wedding customs and practices to the coming of the Lord? Oh, yeah. There will even be a marriage supper of the Lamb of God, which is similar to the ancient custom also. This is exciting. Now, I haven't verified this, but I heard that when the Jewish groom goes to meet the bride, he adorns himself with whatever gold he may have, frankincense and myrrh. Where have I heard that before? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Oh, yeah. Those were the three gifts that Jesus was given by the wise guys, the wise, the magi. They came and presented him with that. And I, it's some like some kind of a symbolic thing that, uh, well, he's going to be the the groom of the, the return. So that's just interesting. Um those gifts were buried in symbolism and uh, that he would be the groom that would soon come for his bride. Bride. Now, you're going to find some very interesting things in this, so just bear with me. I, I hope you stick around for the whole podcast because there is some, this is phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. And maybe one day I'm going to do a study on the, uh, you know what, I got to write that down right now because I thought just hit my head. Now, let me put this in here so I can remember. Oh, the um, the Passover meal was also very symbolic in Jewish customs because if you look in the Old Testament and the way they did things, um, there was a shadow of Christ in there. Okay? I've said this many, many times before. The... The uh, in the Old Testament, uh, the in say I've said this before. So the in the old, the new is concealed, and in the new, the old is revealed. So in the old, the in the Old Testament, the New Testament is concealed. It's in there. You just look and you'll see it. And in the New Testament, the Old Testament is revealed. All right. So it's it's just it's exciting. It's exciting. And even Jesus himself said, I have not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill them. So this just really, so it's really exciting. All right. So in a Jewish wedding, these, there are seven phases that I found and uh, that seemed to, I can collaborate it into seven. I've uh, did a lot of research on this and uh, uh, I think seven is a good order of perfection. Number of perfections on completion. So let's let's get on. So phase one was the match. 
And there are Jewish words in there, and I don't want to try to kill those. But uh, there was the matchmaking. Now, the match was marriages were arranged by the father of the groom. Did you know that? He went to a matchmaker, and they would meet with the dad to find a bride for his son. And we see this time and time again in the Old Testament. Uh, the, the patriarchs sent servants out to go find a, a, a bride for my son, go to among my people, and, you know, find, find a woman for my son. Um, so the father sends out, or the, the father picks the bride for the son, and God the father chose us for his son. Did you know that? Oh, it's exciting. In John 15, 16, we read, You did not chose me, but I chose you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. John 6, 37 through 44 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So God is the one who chose us to be with Jesus. God took the initiative to join us together. So when we get saved... We are accepting Jesus' love proposal to us to be matched to him forever. Isn't that exciting? You know, and here's another interesting thing. The bride and the groom wouldn't see each other until the wedding day. Okay? And that's where we are at now. We are waiting for our marriage to Jesus Christ. Right now, we're in what's called the betrothal stage. 1 Peter 1.8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and uh, uh, are filled with inexpressible, glorious joy. Isn't that great? We have joy because we know we've been chosen by God to be married to his son. Wow, this is exciting. All right, and this, you're going to see this all through Scripture. I'm going to integrate Scripture in this, but this is exciting. All right, the second phase was called the bride price. Now, the value of the bride would be negotiated. The fathers would get together and they would negotiate, okay? And the Bible tells us that Jesus paid the bride price for us with his blood. This is the same terminology the Bible uses in about the bride price in 1 Corinthians 6.20. It says, you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Wow. And what did Jesus use to buy us? 1 Peter 1.18 says, know that you were not redeemed with perishable things, such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. You've been bought with precious blood, the blood of Jesus. He shed his blood for you. That was the price he paid. He paid the price so that we could be in eternity with him. How exciting is that? I don't know if you're getting excited yet. I am. I'm ready to jump up and down here. Rapture drills. All right. The third phase of the wedding was called the love gifts. All right. The groom would offer the bride uh, gifts to her. All right. It was an expression of his love. He didn't have to give these gifts up, but he did give the, give the bride gifts. Now, Jesus gave us love gifts 
One, he gave us the gift of eternal life. My sheep, in John 10, 27, he said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. I give eternal life to them and they shall never perish. And no one shall snatch them out of my hand. Uh, that's that term, by the way, again. Uh, harpazo in the Greek. Snatching away. Mm-hmm. Um, he gives us peace. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. That's exciting. That we have God's peace in our lives. It's the peace that Lori and I are experiencing right now. Because we have the, the peace that Jesus gave us. He gave us this peace. It's so exciting. He gives us another gift. He gives us the fulfill, full, he gives us full forgiveness of our sins. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. How exciting is that? You know, if you confess your sins, he's going to forgive you and purify you from all unrighteousness. Wow. All right. And he gives us joy. John 15, 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for your joy. Thank you, Jesus, that we have received salvation. We've received eternal life. We've received uh, forgiveness of our sins, and we've received joy. All right? Our joy will be complete because my joy may be in you. He said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That is very exciting for me to know that we have God's joy. Now, you know, like I said, these gifts are voluntary. The groom did not have to give gifts to the bride. But uh, he didn't, Jesus didn't have to give these gifts to us. He didn't have to. All right, the fourth phase of the wedding ceremony, of the procedure, when we've got, was the dowry. Now, not only did the bridegroom give the bride gifts, but the father of the bride would give her gifts. It was to equip her for her new life with the groom. Did you know that? This was exciting. So the, 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 the groom's father, the father of the bride, would give her gifts and equip her for the new life uh, with the groom. Now, God gave us the Holy Spirit to help us in our Christian life. John 14, verses 16 and 17 said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. That is the Spirit of truth. So he gives us, God gives us the Spirit of truth to, uh, as a gift. And he gives us spiritual gifts that are given by that Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, Romans 12, 6 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. All right, so now this is, wow. All right, we've been given gifts. Jesus gave us gifts. God gives us gifts. Since we've accepted and accepted his invitation 
the, the wedding invitation, okay? Um, you know, he gave us an engagement ring. In 2 Corinthians 1, verses 21 through 22, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. The Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts. It's like an engagement ring, okay? It's a seal of ownership. When you see the ring on the finger, that means that the, the lady's taken, right? All right? So <clears throat> we know you get the ring on the finger, we know we're taken, right? It's too bad men don't have an engagement ring and the guys are single, like, you know, engaged. They go around without it. But, you know, the ring, it signifies um, that the person is spoken for. Exciting. And G and Holy Spirit is dwells within us. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, that we belong to him, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You don't have to worry about it. You don't know that by faith, God has said, look, you, you, by faith we look to say that God says, look, the Holy Spirit is there in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come? What's to come? Jesus is coming for us. The fifth phase was the contract. Now, the marriage was legally formalized. All right. It had been in that paper. They did have a paper that they would fill out. All right. It was a marriage contract, a covenant, a testament <laughs> that says it's legally formalized. And it recorded the bride price, the promises of the groom, and the rights of the bride. All right, that's what, that's what was in the contract. Now, the New Testament, the New Covenant, the New Contract, because that's what those words mean, the Testament and Covenant, those are, those, are, those are a contract. That's our contract, okay? 1 Corinthians 11.25 says, In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This was to remember, we remember every time we partake of that cup, that we have a contract that God signed and we signed, that because accepting Jesus, this is our written contract. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the rest of it is the new covenant in his blood. He shed his blood, paid the bride price, and this is for us to remember that Jesus mm -hmm, is our groom. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I can't. I'm just so excited. I can't. I know you've never seen me like this. You've never seen me like this. Maybe it has to do with all the caffeine I drank today. Drunk today. I don't know. Don't care. But more than likely, it's the joy of the Holy Spirit in my heart right now. Wow. <laughs> Excuse me. Now, the sixth phase of the Jewish, uh, ancient Jewish ceremony was the betrothal. Now, when the contract was signed, the couple became legally married at that point, even though they had not consummated the marriage. All right. It was a time of preparation. They didn't live together. All right. And they, and, and, but they were legally to married. Okay, but they haven't consummated the marriage yet. It's a betrothal. 
This is what happened with Joseph and Mary. Joseph was betrothed to Mary. They had the contract had been signed, all these phases had gone through, and Joseph was now in their betrothal period, the time of preparation. This is what was such a big thing when he's when they found she was with child because he was going to divorce her quietly. I mean, he could have he could have had her stoned according to the uh, the Jewish customs. But he was going to divorce her quietly, being a just man. And in that, uh, the angel came to him and said, Mm-mm, don't do it. Just go ahead. Don't be afraid. Take her as your bride. All right. So anyway, it was a time of preparation. They didn't live together. The bride went through what's called a mikvah, a mikvah in Jewish. It's a cleansing bath to be purified. Our, uh now, she would have to prove her purity by wearing a veil showing she was spoken for. So she didn't have an engagement ring, but she would wear a veil. And uh, as she went out in public, they would people would see that veil and know that this lady is spoken for. Okay? And uh, our mikvah was God's purifying us through his forgiveness. Now... Again, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And that was what the mikvah was. It was supposed to be a cleansing. And that's something that she would um, be totally purified. And now the bride, how, the bride now to demonstrate her faithfulness, she's brought, she put the veil on and to show that she has been bought with a price and set aside for the groom. She had to resist all offers that may have come her way. Because right, guys are still going to try. Why are you marrying him? Mar oh, mm -mm. I love him. I'm committed to him. And I cannot change. Now, in the same way, we must resist anything that will try to take us away from Jesus. Sin, false teachers, you know, uh, temptations. We need to be faithful to Jesus. He is our groom. So as the bride of Christ, we need to pay attention. Uh, and 2 Corinthians 11, 2 says this, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband that to Christ I may pr might present you as a pure virgin to him. So he's, Paul says, I'm jealous for you. I'm jealous for uh, your betrothed. I betrothed you to one husband, okay? All right. Now, the groom had his things to do too. Um, the groom was exempt from one year of serving in the military to bring happiness to his wife. Okay, so he is free of any military service for one year. And that's found in Deuteronomy uh, 24, I believe, somewhere in there. He also, during this time, had to prove that he could take care of this woman and being able to provide for her. Uh, I think Deuteronomy says he has to go and he has to plant fields. You know, he has to get, he has to have a job. All right. He has to be able to meet her needs. We don't see that much today, but 
he was required to meet the needs of the bride. All right. Now, he also, another thing he had to do was he had to build a house. It's called a bridal chamber. Now, interesting enough, this was an addition to the father's house, to his father's house. So he would go home and he'd start to build a bridal chamber. And it was an addition to the father's house. And when they consummated the, 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 uh, the ceremony there, uh, the wedding ceremony would be consummated in the bridal chamber. And they would live there. Uh, and then, of course, they would have children or whatever. And when their sons got older, then, then the son would come and build uh, onto that house. And it just, you know, and you had this great community of love. And people gathered together as a family. And that's the way God intended it to be. Now, th amazingly enough, Jesus uses the same phraseology in this. John 14, verses 2 through 3 says, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus has gone. When he ascended into heaven, right? He's there now building the bridal chamber. And he's been at it for 2,000 years. <laughs> what a place this is going to be. And that brings us to the seventh phase, is the taking. Now, this is an interesting aspect of this, because um, the son, or the, the, the groom, would go and get his bride. Okay? And that, oh, I, this is so much. Oh, you know what? I gotta, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take a break right here, right now. And we'll come back to this because this is very exciting. Stand by. Excuse me. Wow. All right. So let's get back to this exciting stuff. The seventh phase, the taking. So the, the, uh, the groom would go to get his bride, but he couldn't go until the bridal chamber was complete. Once it was complete, the father would inspect it and he would approve or disapprove of the bridal chamber. So, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I heard Billy Crone talking about this. And he said, you know, what? well, you know, us guys, we get, well, I'm just going to put together this cardboard box and I'm going to go get my bride. No. Father said, no, start again. And don't make it out of cardboard. <laughs> so he would take his time and he would build this bridal chamber. And once it was complete and ready, the father would approve it and say, okay, son, go get your bride. Ooh. This is what Jesus meant when he talked about in Matthew 24, 36. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Oh, ho, ho. the Father's going to say, hmm. Okay, son, go get your bride. Ooh, it just, that just, oh, that just gives me chili bumps all over. 
because Jesus has been working on this thing for over 2,000 years. What a place. This place is going to be decked to the nines, you know? Uh, you know, it, it, this, this, you know, we're, we're, you know, the father's house are many rooms, man. People are getting saved all the time. Jesus building another chamber. It's just so exciting. All right. Now the bride, now there's, here's the, here's the thing. Now you want, you, you want to see for the comparison here. Oh boy. I'm just so excited about this. <laughs> all right. The Jewish bride didn't know the day that the groom would arrive. She always had to be ready because this usually happened at night. He would whisk her away at night. All right, but before his arrival to her home to get her, his attendants would walk down the street blowing a shofar. You know the shofar, the Jewish trumpet, the curled horn? And they would they would blow that trumpet first. And they would cry, the bridegroom cometh. All right. Wow. So when she hears this, I mean, can you, you know, I mean, he may be, you know, whatever, a few blocks away from her house or whatever. And here comes the groom and it would be like the trumpet would announce and his, his attendants would be crying out, the bridegroom cometh. Come and meet the bridegroom. Come out. And they would, and then he would snatch her away and she'd be carried off. All right. They would snatch her out of the house and take her back to the bridal chamber. And everybody would gather together at the house, a big, exciting time. And this was interesting, I thought. The, the, uh, the bride and groom would go into the bridal chamber and they would consummate their marriage. And one of the attendants of the groom would be outside the door. And once he was told that the marriage was con consummated, okay, they started a wedding feast for seven days, okay? And like, wow. Now listen to this. This was, I, I took this from, it's uh, rapturebibletruth.com. The call for the wedding. When the father decided that all was in order, he would have his servants start putting together things that he needed. He would have the shofars blown and the, send the word out that the wedding was about to happen. It was customary for one of the groom's party to go ahead of the groom, leading the way to the bride's house, and shout, Behold, the bridegroom comes! And the father would say to his son, Go and get your bride. This would usually happen at night. When the bride got the word, she would run to meet the groom, and together they would head for the ceremony. That is exciting! Exciting stuff. Really exciting. Oh, my, 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 my. Wow, how's that? Does that sound familiar to what Jesus told us is going to happen? Oh, I'm going to read here from, let's see. I don't know why I don't have it typed out on my computer here, but that's okay. I'd rather read from the Bible anyway. <laughs> wow. Um,. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know why. Okay, we'll 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 come back to that. All right. Um Okay, like I said, when they would return to the house, they would uh, consummate their marriage and uh and and stuff. Now, this is exciting. Now, look at this. Look at this um 
Look at this. Oh, this is so good. All right. And does that, I hope you understand that. And I hope that makes a little bit more sense to you. Because now when you go to 1 Thessalonians 4.16 and 17, this is what it says. All right. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel. The bridegroom is coming. And the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Mm. Wow. He's coming for his bride, folks. He's coming. He's coming with the shout of the archangel. The bridegroom comes. And they're going to blow the trumpet. Boom. And we're gone with him. Wow. That's exciting stuff. Now, what's going to happen when that happens? The church of Jesus Christ, those who are dead in Christ, will they'll be joined together with their, their spirits will join with their physical bodies. And they will become, they will put on immortality. Talk about in Second Second uh, Corinthians, uh, and then the um, the we who have perishable bodies are going to put on the imperishable body in the in the twinkling of an eye, and we're going to be caught up, harpazo, to be with the Lord. Oh boy, and we're going to be enjoying a wedding feast with Jesus during those seven years. Uh, knowing my luck, I'll be stuck doing the dishes, but that's okay. One day, this planet will experience seven years of tribulation, and during that time, the Christians are going to be kept safe with him. We're going to be removed from this because God has not um, put us, we're not destined for wrath, the Bible says. We're not We're not. We're not going. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and our wrath. The seven-year tribulation, the four hundred, the Daniel seventieth week. That is God's pouring out His wrath on the world and dealing with the Jewish nation. You know why? Because He hasn't forgotten about the Jews. He still loves Israel. I love Israel. I got a flag outside the house. Israeli flag outside the house. I love Israel. Okay? Uh, because God has chosen them and they are God's bride when you look through the Old Testament. And they've forsaken their groom, but he hasn't forsaken them. He made a contract with them that was not a conditional contract. He made this contract with them, a covenant with them, that he would never leave them okay he would he's going to be there uh but as in their rebellious state they continually sinned and they brought they they neglected god and rejected him but he still loves them and during that seven-year tribulation is going to be time where god begins to deal with the jewish people and they will eventually realize that jesus is 
was is the Messiah, and they missed him the first time around, but they're going to know him when they see him the second time he comes. This is going to be exciting. Um, and Jesus was referring to this wedding feast and, and stuff that's going to take place in, uh, in referring to the rapture in Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. Now listen to this. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil <clears throat> oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom now was a long time coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom! Come to meet him! And all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. They turned them up. Now the foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going to go out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us and you, for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourself. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him and to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, others, the others also came and said, Sir, sir, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Oh, boy. All right. So, you know, here we see a little picture of several things. We see a picture of the groom coming unexpectedly. This is what Jesus was referring to here. And he uses this terminology a lot about the bride and the groom and the wedding. See, he always he talks a lot about them. Now, he also this is also kind of a little shadow of the rapture. Because when he comes to take away his bride, how many people that were there said they seemed that they were ready, but they're not ready. They will miss the coming of the bridegroom and they will cry out into the Lord and say, I, Lord will say, I don't know you. You, you, you. you did spend time preparing and waiting, but you were told time and time again that I would return, but you ignored it. You acted as though you could care less. You missed it. You missed it. And you, you, you say, this, these are the people that are going to appear before God and say, God, uh, have I done, uh, what have I done? You know, I, I, I've, I've prophesied in your names and we've, we've cast out demons in your names. You're going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. This is what's coming for those who don't, who are the pretenders, who are now trying to mold into the world and be something that the world can accept. But this is not what's going to happen. They are going to be left on the outside. And one, one phrase Jesus talks about, whether well, there'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. People are going to be, they're going to be repenting of, they wish they were able to change, but it's too late. But Sal, can a God of love um, let people suffer uh, an eternity in hell because they ignored him? Yes. 
Yes. Proverbs 1, verses 22 through 23 says this, How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called, and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I, in turn, will laugh at your disaster. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when a disaster, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Those are hard words, right? You know, the other night, the other night on a show, I heard somebody say that there isn't a room for hell uh, for all the sinners and demons that are supposedly going to go there. The demons are going to fill it up. And, uh, you know, there's not there's going to be no room for it. Sorry to disappoint that guy, but there will be room to spare. Isaiah 5, verses 11 through 17 says this, Woe to those who rise early in the morning to run after their drinks, who stay up late at night till they are inflamed with wine. They have harps and lyres at their banquets, pipes and timbrels and wine, but they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord, no respect for the work of his hands. Therefore, my people will go into exile for lack of understanding. Those of high rank will die of hunger, and the common people will, will be parched with thirst. Therefore, the, hell enlarges its appetite. All right? It says the grave enlarges its appetite in this version, but it means hell. Okay? Hell enlarges its appetite and opens its mouth without limit. Into it will descend their nobles and masses, and with all their brawlers and revelers. Listen to this again. Therefore the grave, therefore hell, enlarges its appetite and opens its mouth without limit, and into it will descend the nobles and the masses with all their brawlers and revelers. You want to have a good time? You're going to have a great time? You're going to ignore God? Fine. This is your outcome. So people will be brought low and everyone and everyone humbled, the eyes of the arrogant humbled, but the Lord Almighty will be exalted by his justice and the holy God will be proved holy by his acts. Then sheep will graze in their own pasture, lambs will feed among the ruins of the rich. This is the destiny, destiny of people who do not know God. They are going to stand before God. I feel I need to read this right now and quickly because we have to close. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, earth and sky fled away in his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. 
Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And if you read a chapter before, uh, or yeah, earlier in the chapter, um, it says here, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and false prophet are being thrown, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That is the doom of anyone who rejects Jesus Christ. So I'm telling you folks, as sad as this is, it's heaven or hell, turn or burn. Look, the bridegroom is coming very soon. He's coming very, very soon. I'm no better than you. I am a sinner saved by grace. And I, I, I can't stand these pastors who will say, well, I'm not a sinner anymore. Yes, you are. You're a sinner saved by grace. What do you think? You're better than Paul? Paul said, I'm the chief of all sinners. But we've been forgiven through Jesus Christ. You have an opportunity right now to come to Jesus. Don't waste it. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed the next minute. You can go out. You can die right now. I don't want you to be in hell. Jesus doesn't want you to be in hell. God doesn't want you to be in hell. That's why he sent his son. God says, not wishing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life through him. So what are you doing about that right now? Are you prepared yourself for the return of Christ? Or if you were to die today, would you be in heaven with him? If you can't answer yes to that, you need to make some considerations. And you need to ask God to forgive you of your sins. It's very simple. My, my prayer, my salvation prayer, was not one of these long salvation prayers. It was, God, I give up. I can't do this anymore. And if what I'm saying to you has struck home, that this wedding feast is about to happen, this bride, the groom could come at any time and we, the bride of Christ, got to be ready. Are you in that mix? When the bridegroom comes, will your robes be white? Be washed in the blood of the Lamb. The hymn that's playing right now is Amazing Grace. That saved a wretch like me, okay? You could be found by just crying out to God right now. Say, God, forgive me of my sins. I want to be in eternity with you. If you have any questions about that, if you, you, you made a commitment, you want to want some more help, you can reach me at the truth must be told 93 at gmail.com. That's the truth93 at gmail.com. And I just ask you without you know with with the dearest sincerity and and, 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 and concern in my voice, don't let this opportunity pass you by. Come to Christ now. Okay? Again, if you have questions, the truth must be told 93 at gmail.com. I'm going to say God bless you, and we'll see you next time on The Truth Must Be Told.